You are listening to the Millennial Mission Podcast with Corey and Bethany Adkins. The time has come, guys, for us to rise up. Hey everybody, so this is, I don't even know if we titled this or anything, but this is part of a special series um, for the collection we're doing with uh, Rain Outfitters. Um, If you haven't looked in, Rain Outfitters is a uh, Christian-based clothing and apparel store, um, and their whole goal is to get more of the word out uh, through clothing to spark conversation. It's just a fun opportunity to share the message of the Millennial Mission podcast um, with other people and then also to um, benefit uh, a couple of charities, uh, Pregnancy Choices, a pro-life organization, and Foster Our Community, which just helps um, families in foster care. Um, So it's just a fun, cool opportunity, and we just thank you for listening in. If you clicked on the QR code, then uh, welcome and go check out some other podcasts. Yeah. I just want to chime in here. We're really excited. We love rain. We love their clothing, but most importantly, we love that their shirt. Every single product that they have has a story behind it and it has a mission behind it. And that is our entire heart. So today we're really excited because we get to kind of elaborate more on our mission of the podcast, tying it to scripture, but you don't just get to hear from Corey and I, who half the time don't even know what we're talking about, (laughs) but we have our pastor, Brandon Marshall here. And so we're just super excited to hear his insight and kind of uh, enlighten us a little bit more on this scripture. Yeah, Glad to be here, guys. Thanks for hosting me. Yes. Super excited. Awesome. So if you haven't listened before, the kind of the background on, on the podcast is um, we've wanted to share our real life, um, start at the beginning. Um, Beth and I are trying to figure out what our, uh, purpose was if we're following God's will for our lives. Um, because we know that ultimately that's what life is about is just following God and doing what he wants us to do and serving how he wants us to serve. And we realized too, at the same time that we were millennials and we were being told that we were not normal millennials. And, um, we realized that all the stigmas, lazy, entitled, selfish, you know, the taglines from the previous intro, but, um, that it was a real problem. Um, so through the podcast, we've uh, just been on a journey ourselves of, uh, following God's will and purpose for our lives and sharing that in real time having guests on that and diving into their stories of living out God's purpose. Um, and we're just calling on other millennials to break the stigmas, um, to rise up. And that was the kind of focal point on these shirts. So that we have the Together We Rise shirt and we have the Mission Minded shirt. Um, and in doing that, we didn't just want to put these cute little taglines on a shirt, but we wanted to make sure it was uh, grounded in the Bible. Um, so with that, on the Together We Rise shirt, it has Ezra 10.4. Yeah. You want to go ahead and read it here? Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and read it. But um, the So the verse just says, Arise, for it is your task, and we are with you. Be strong and do it. So what we didn't want to do, though, is just take that verse, take it out of context, like 
we do and other people do a lot of the times. And we try not to do. Yeah, try not to do. <laughs> um, pull it out of context. That's why the uh, reason we have Brandon on, which we wanted to have Brandon on anyway. So this is just a reason to get him on. But um, to give us some context on what was going on at the time, um, what they meant by the the verse, and what that, how we can apply that to our lives today to rise up. Um, in our God's time and be who God has called us to be. Yeah, love that. So, so Brandon, we go ahead and just you want to give us some background in. on Ezra? Yeah, and right what's on. Going on. So, here. like, I don't know. I forget which uh, historian sometime recently said this that that history just is kind of like it's cyclical. Mm-hmm. History just goes in cycles. And I was somebody was even talking about this, like in reference to American culture. They see it almost in any other culture where. Um, history repeats itself. I think we've all heard that. There's nothing new under the sun, right? Like things just kind of come around again and again. Um, someone was talking about even in American culture recently that like y- cultures tend to reinvent themselves every like 60 years or so where like values kind of like get reexamined and shift. Um, you take a fresh look at like who you are, what you believe and why, um, and some of that even leads to generational stuff, which I know you guys are, are pretty keen on. And so sometimes that happens even in biblical context where we see things that get forgotten. Yeah. And that's definitely the context around, around Ezra. Ezra is this crucial piece in, in Israel's history and, and the people of God where there's like this, this breaking point. There's this seam where they, they're, they're finding themselves taking a look at um, you know, things that have been forgotten. And like the way that I kind of think about it is um, imagine if you were like wandering around your grandparents' attic, you know, like it, it mothball smell. Right? Mothball smell. <laughs> like, maybe that isn't a pleasant <laughs> metaphor. I don't, but like imagine if you were wandering around your grandparents' attic and like you found this big trunk and you opened it and you'd be like, oh my goodness, like look at this stuff. And maybe it's a photo album or maybe it's, um, like, and if you want to get really sentimental, maybe it's like your grandma's wedding dress or something that's just, you go, oh my goodness, this must have been important. This must be something. Yeah. And it, you blow the dust off of it and you go, gosh, this looks like something that, that I need to pay attention to. So that's, that's kind of where God's people are coming out of at this point, where some of, some of these things that were very dear to them or should have been very dear to them have been forgotten and but they rediscover them. And so where you guys are, like Ezra 10 starts with like this confession, which we can get to in just a second, but this is Ezra himself just going, holy smokes, uh, my translation is <laughs> going, it's like, oh my goodness, we have, we have done something wrong. We've forgotten things that we should not have forgotten. Um, and we were even talking about this just a couple of minutes ago, just as we were settling in that when you, whenever you look across generations, that's something that tends to happen where one generation prizes something and it's not carried on for whatever reason. And that's a gap. Like that's not okay. And we want to close that gap. We want, we want the meaningful things to be carried across generations. Right. Um, and so that's what the church is. That's the heart of this podcast. I know that's the heart of, of really what we ought to be. So um, what I love, I'm just going to jump into it. If I can. Oh yeah, yeah go absolutely. for it. So like Ezra 10 starts off with this, emotional moment. You see Ezra in this very raw thing. So here's what it says. It says, Ezra prayed and made confession, weeping, casting himself down before the house of God. So like, you just picture that. That is not a very pleasant image. So mm-hmm. what, what is he? He's praying, he's confessing, he's weeping, he's casting himself down. 
okay, that, that would take a lot, Corey, for like, for me to do that. Yeah. Like what would, what would have to happen for me to, to be that emotionally rocked? But then even beyond that, um, where is he doing that? He says, before the house of God, a very great assembly of men, (laughs) women, and children gathered to him out of Israel for the people wept bitterly. Okay. So this isn't just like you or me in our little prayer closet, right? Like in our car or whatever, going through an emotional catharsis. Like yeah. this is him just dumping in front of all the people that he's supposed to lead. So it's this incredibly vulnerable moment. Um, and then it lists who's there. And, and, and then they say this, we have broken faith with our God. We've married foreign women from the peoples of the land, but even now there is hope for Israel in spite of this, which that's not a racial thing. We need to hear that. That's not, that's not like, that's not a racial comment. That's more of an obedience comment about what God had told his people specifically to do at that point. And so then here comes this resolve in Ezra 10 verse three. It says, well, therefore, in light of what we've done, in light of what we've forgotten, right, or in light of this thing that we've just discovered in our grandparents' attic that went neglected, let us make a covenant with our God to put away the wives and their children according to the counsel of my Lord and all those who tremble at the commandment of our God. And let it be done according to the law. And then here's that sticking verse, Ezra 10, 4. Arise, it is your task. We are with you. Be strong and do it. And so it's this great, almost communal resolve to fix the thing that's wrong and, and to rectify the thing that was broken and to, to, to blow the dust off the thing that was forgotten. Um, so with that, I've listened to some different commentary. And the first time I read it, you know, it's it's kind of leads you with like, what do I do with this? Where basically the the um, men of, of Israel had taken on wives from pagan cultures, right? And if I'm getting this right, they were commanded originally not to do this. And the reason in the commentaries I listened to that they were uh, weren't supposed to do this is because that when you did that, it often brought in. Um, also their worship of other gods and their yep. other ways of life. So it wasn't a racial thing. And that some of the other commentaries reference like how Ruth was not Jewish and there's different people that, uh, who was, was it Mark or Matthew mm-hmm. talked about and they, he highlighted different people that weren't ethnic, yes, ethnically Jewish. Yes. Um, so it, did, it wasn't about racial things like you said, but it was about taking on idols and gods from these pagan cultures. Um, and then I, also, it says that they they did away with the wives. They uh, some of them some of the interpretations said they divorced the wives, um, but then other commentaries said that maybe they hadn't actually even truly married yeah. the women. <laughs> that they were looking for a loophole in the law, so maybe they were just cohabitating with the women. Yeah, yeah. And that was also the issue. So I just wanted to get your th- viewpoint and thoughts on that because yeah, yeah. mine are kind of messy. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, in all reality, it was probably a little bit of both. Um, basically, so here's here's what happens. Um, and so here's kind of the long answer to the question. I find in my life what happens when um, I don't take God's word seriously in one point, it becomes really easy to justify breaking it in other points. Mm-hmm. And so what's happening there is they're probably going, oh, the Lord is not my authority right now. I'm going to kind of do what's easy. I'm going to kind of do what seems right to me. And as soon as I start on that slippery slope, it becomes really easy to kind of just roll into other... It's my truth. Absolutely. Right? It's my truth. It may not be your truth, but it's my truth. Absolutely. It may not be your truth, Beth, 
But this, I'm going to follow what my truth is. Right. And so you see that all over in, in the Old Testament. The book of Judges especially does that. There's this phrase that comes up over and over again, like a cycle that says everyone did that was right in their own eyes. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, that doesn't sound like anything we're familiar with at all, right? No. Like this, this is our world. It just keeps coming back up. Mm-hmm. And so what's happening there is basically they're just devaluing the covenant they'd made with God. And so what you see is the result of that, where they're like, oh my goodness, we have been so wrong. Like, we have lost these things that should have been transferred from generations. And so, yeah, it, it may have been a little bit of both. There were some that were actually marrying, as the Old Testament would have understood marriage, some that are just cohabitating. Um, but basically, the whole piece is that they are devaluing the covenant that they made with God. And so that's really what Ezra wants us to see is the big problem. And that's why the word covenant comes back up again. Yeah. Like We have got to get back to this thing that we have neglected, right? I think that is so powerful. It's so powerful then, but it's also so applicable to our world right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm excited to hear you kind of talk about that. But something in my Bible, which of course I forgot. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> we've, got, we've all got them on our phones. Yeah. We're sitting here with these like yeah. very accessible things. <laughs> very millennial of us. Um, I have a David Jeremiah study Bible. So there's so many great notes and just like excerpts and things like that. And so there were four R's and I'm probably going to get them wrong, but similar what I pulled out of this passage and what they said in my Bible is like, first he realized that there was a problem and and you kind of alluded to this already, but then you don't just realize it and do nothing. Then the next step was he repented and, and not just that, but outwardly repented in front of people. And then resolve was kind of the next thing they, they, figured out a resolution. What are we going to do moving forward? And then it sounded like, is rectification the word? Rectify? Sure. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Maybe that was what it was. To I don't know. Right. But Right. Yeah. So. you to be careful saying that word. Yeah. It sounds like <laughs> rectum. What, is, what yeah. is that one? Rectum, that rectumification. One. <laughs> but I love that. And I love this passage. And I remember specifically this passage last year when I was studying Ezra, just how powerful that is because so easy it's so easy to when things are going wrong and you you see people and are just like culture seems so screwed up mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. be discouraged mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but i think sitting in that discouragement is what we shouldn't we can't just sit in discouragement and this totally. is kind of like a call to action totally which ties into together we rise rise up be mission minded so can you speak to that yeah absolutely so um yeah i mean we can get right into our current culture i i like we were talking about, I am, I'm 41. I'm a millennial by a year, depending wherever you draw the line. And <laughs> I can't, I can't remember a time in my life where I've seen more divisiveness in our culture. And so, and in our country, Yeah. Um, I was talking with somebody the other day who's uh, here at North Canton Chapel and um, he's solidly in his seventies. Right. So he would be probably my parents' generation, maybe, a, maybe a touch older. And um, I just asked him, I said, Hey, can you, you know, you've lived through a lot. Like you remember stuff that I just read about in books. Um, can you remember a time when our country felt this way? And I, I poked. I'm like, okay, so like World War II, like Vietnam, yeah. like civil rights stuff of the '60s, like '70s. Like, can you remember? And he he even said he goes, no, I can't. I can't. Remember. This just breaks my heart. It is know? heartbreaking. And I, it that leaves us with a with a thing, right? And I think we've got like we got two extremes that I see us doing. And this is really getting to the heart of, I think what Mm -hmm. we can talk about is um, 
one of two things. Either we we synchronize or syncretize, right? And so it's the synchronism of, of the world where I go, gosh, I just I'm just going to become like the world because it's just easier. Darn it. Like yeah. uh, and so like the philosophy of that is called syncretism. And so it's just I'm going to become like the world because I'm just tired of fighting it. Of swimming upstream. Yeah. It's just yeah. harder. Which yeah, it is harder. The other extreme is separatism. We're like, dude, that's it. I'm just going to go buy my 40 mm. acres and build my cabin in the woods, put a moat <laughs> around it and say nuts to you people, right? Which like, it, we all have our tendency. Yeah. That's yeah. mine. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's mine. We've yeah. been that's, talking about that. We've tempting. been watching a lot of YouTube videos recently. Oh, totally. We'll just say that. Dude, it was like, I, at one point I actually, I built a little travel. I'll have to show it to you. I built yeah. a little travel trailer that was like on this little, you know, five by eight thing I got from tractor supply and had a little wood stove <laughs> in there. And I'm like, I'm taking this fishing and camping. Oh my like, God. I'm going to disappear and you're never going to find me. Right? <laughs> But I, but the truth is, a lot of us feel one of these or the other, and we go by our we go by our emotions, and 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 we go, gosh, I'm just going to blend in because it's easier. I'm just tired of fighting, which I know a lot of people are there, or like the I'm out of here. I'm going to check out. Neither of those are what God wants for you. So like syncretism, easy, but you don't make a difference in your world that way. Separatism, also easy, but you don't make a difference in your world that mm, way. So and this hard thing of being in the middle of going, no, what I actually have to do is engage my culture for the glory of God. And so what you're saying is like how Ezra does that here is exactly it, where he goes, oh man, I'm recognizing this. I realize that I have been wrong. Not only I've been wrong, but we've been wrong. Yeah. Ugh, what do we do? And then he walks down that path of repenting, saying, I'm going to own this thing. I'm not going to blame it on anybody else. This isn't my parents' fault. It's not the government's fault. Like, no, I I need to do this thing. And then walking through that whole thing of, of eventually getting to the point where he says, I'm going to rectify this. I'm going to make this right. And what's really kind of cool is that everybody around him goes, hey, we're with you. Mm. Like We've got your back. Um, we're together in this thing. That, I, and I'll be honest, like that's what I'm waiting for. Yeah, like, I want to see people do that. And because I'm a pastor, I'm a little biased in this where like, mm-hmm. I want the church to do that. Like yeah. that is what the church can do. The role of the church, like Jesus said, is to be a light in a dark place, to be a city on a hill and to be hope for the hopeless. Right. And so those are the things that motivate me. And like it, this is getting into like a whole preaching thing, but like I, I resist the idea that anyone else should bring hope to the world mm. like the church can because of Christ, where I go, I'm not, this sounds like I'm anti-government. I'm just not waiting on the government to do that. Yeah. Like let the government do what it's supposed to do. Right. But the church is the church, man. Like, right. It's on. our job. We need yes. to take responsibility and we need yes. to take action. Yes, absolutely. And we can't do it alone. We need to do it together. Yeah. So we need to rise up together yeah. and take action. And, and that, go ahead. I was going to say, I think that the dangers also in those two extremes is that one, if we synchronize with the world, we start accepting pagan wives, right? Absolutely. We start accepting idols and... The danger with your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth is then what is real truth? Yep. And that truth is been given has been given to us in a book that from the architect and you've heard Beth and I talk about the architect, the designer of this world of our lives of our purposes. He designed it so. He has the truth. He has the plan that we should follow, and that plan and that truth is in the Bible, and we can't accept other things trying to be added 
to it because that becomes dangerous. And then, then you really do come to what is real truth. And then how do you have any foundation even with a civilization? And our, Mm -hmm. I think our founding fathers saw the importance of that when they were creating our constitution is that there has to be a founding truth. And that's why they looked at Judeo Christian principles to found our founding documents. Uh, so that civilization, I was explaining this to our kids yesterday. It was really funny. I was t- mm-hmm. trying to explain to them that discipline equals freedom. And that if you have yeah. too many, for a kid, yeah. that sounds like you just lost it. Dad. Yeah. What are you talking yeah. about? Right? right. And it was real funny. It was this fun little moment. So I was trying to explain it in, in terms that they could understand. And I just even used the road in our neighborhood as an example, but I told him if there's no rules on the road, if there's zero discipline for the road, and anybody can drive as fast as they want to out on that road, do you think that you can go ride your bike throughout the neighborhood and feel safe? And they were like, well, no. And I said, okay, what if I go to the extreme with the other rules and say nobody's allowed on the road? Mm -hmm. Well, now can Mm -hmm. you ride your bike on the road? No. Mm -hmm. But if we say, hey, anybody can go on the road, but you can't go any faster than 25 miles an hour through our neighborhood. Now you have the freedom and we have the, the peace of mind of knowing that you're safe riding around your bike in the neighborhood. Right. And so if we if we don't have any truth, any foundation, any rules that are uh, that are our foundation, then we don't have that freedom. And but where does that truth come from? So then if you go to the other extreme with Christianity and you isolate yourself, yeah. then we're also missing the calling of Christ to go out to yeah. the world and preach yeah. and save the world. And I think too often times uh, you see both extremes in, in Christian churches. You see Christian churches and Christian communities accepting the ways of the world. You see other Christian families and churches and groups putting themselves in their little bubble and never mm-hmm. inviting people outside of this safe little bubble that they've mm-hmm. put mm-hmm. themselves in. And in both instances, we're completely missing the calling of yes. Christ and the whole purpose of our lives. It is, it is infinitely messier to live in the middle. Which is what, and I mean, like this is getting, this may get super practical here, is right now in our world, what nobody wants is more mess. We are like, we are living with such thin margins in our lives where we're all emotionally tired. Like the last two, three years in our world have been just messy and ugh, it's been a headache, you know? And so we've lived with such little margin. It's really tempting to go to one of those two extremes to Mm basically disengage whether through syncretism or through separatism like that's easy to do because we're just flat out tired engaging is hard engaging is messy engaging costs you right like i got to imagine after this scene in ezra 10 ezra's like i need a personal retreat day right <laughs> like, yeah. i need to go relax because it's hard it's uh, yeah but it costs you you know yeah. um and i think that's the compelling thing about jesus is like it, it Contrasting Jesus with every other faith leader in any other world religion, he never promises it's going to be easy. He just says, I'm going to be with you and it's going to be worth it. Yeah. Like that, that to me is like, that's a compelling thought. You know, he said the world's going to hate you. It's going to be hard. I'm leaving, (laughs) you know, and then he's out of here and I'm going to send my spirit to you. You He never says it's going to be easy. He just says it's going to be worth it, which that, that to me is a very unifying thing because we have the church to remind us that it's worth it and we bear one another's burdens, right? There's that togetherness again that comes up. Like yeah, when you guys are having a hard time, somebody else better be there with you. Mm-hmm. Right. You can't be isolated, but you also can't be, you know, completely blended in. Like 
The church is this very peculiar people that live in the messy middle with each other. Yeah. And so I want to read the verse one more time because there's one more aspect of this that I want you to touch on. And you were kind of alluding to it right there. But again, it says, rise up. This matters in your hands. We will support you. We will support you, which I think is a big part. Mm -hmm. And then, so take courage and do it. So you were just alluding to that. It's not going to be easy. You're going to need to have courage. And you also do need the support. And so I think we can all agree after hearing the way you articulated everything that we do need to live in the middle. We need to live in that tension because that's where we're called to be. But then looking at the church, we were also talking about this a little bit, and this could be a whole podcast series, I think. (laughs) But within the church, I still feel like there's a little bit of a disconnect. And that's something we're also passionate about. So when we say together we rise, we're not just talking to millennials. We're talking millennials linking arms with boomers and every generation linking arms. You too, Gen Z. So (laughs) practically, we love practical stuff. So practically, how can we do this? But also... Can you talk about why this is so important and why we're called to yeah. link arms? Yeah. So, yeah, we'll get. I'll, we'll do that part first. The why is this so important? Um, it's important because everybody has something to learn, mm-hmm. and nobody has a corner on all things. <laughs> like that's just super basic, right? Like, and like a little little buzz phrase I say is like millennials get the bad rap because they're entitled. And I go, well, no, like you're not entitled because you were born between two certain years. You're entitled just because you were born. (laughs) Everybody feels entitled to something, right? Whether it's a cushy retirement with a 401k or it's a new whatever, or like our daughter's like, why won't you buy me $400 shoes? And I'm like, (laughs) cause that's a bad decision. Right. (laughs) But I'm entitled too because like what I want is my little private Island with my little, you know, we're all entitled to something. And so we need each other to remind ourselves that we don't see everything correctly. Yeah. Right. Um, it, it, the kind of the case in point for me is it's like, how did I learn to change the oil in my truck? Because I had somebody older, older than me mm-hmm. teach it to me mm-hmm. and like, say what you want. YouTube can't teach you all that stuff. Right. Like yeah. I needed somebody to go, okay, this is what it's you probably do. an older person on YouTube too. So like it was time in the garage, you know, with my father-in-law learning how to do this stuff. Right. And like in a weird way, that's just discipleship. He was discipling me in how to change oil in a truck. Okay. Well then let's, let's bring that over to something in, in the faith area where I go, how do I, when I bump into something in our marriage or in parenting, where do I go? to to remind me that I can get through this and then to give me practical skills to do this. I'm not going to YouTube or Google. And those are helpful. They may get you in the ballpark, but what I really need is I need somebody who has weathered the storms of marriage to go, okay, numbskull, here's what you need to do. Right. right? And here's what I did because I did the same thing. Do this and you will live. <laughs> you yes. know? And that only comes by transference of, of, of information from a generation. Yeah. Um, and so what does that take? So that's the big why is because the, the, the church, the, one last little thought, I guess. I've heard it said the church is only one generation away from extinction. And I really believe that where if, if we don't transfer what Jesus can do in the life of a person who's seeking him, if we can't talk about that, the church will die. Mm-hmm. And um, that's just discipleship is all it is, is we just need to be with other people. So um, what does that mean? I think um, practically, what do we do? So f- first step, I think that we have to understand is somebody has to take initiative. And that, again, that sounds super basic, but um, 
somebody has to be the one to say, I'm not okay with this and we're going to do this differently. And so the example I was, we were talking about earlier, um, I don't go to Bob Evans a lot. <laughs> but but when I for no other reason, it a couple times I have you go said a lot. it I, apparently so maybe more than I want to admit getting the senior scramble dude I'm almost there my, my my kids think I'm in my like 80s I'm like well some days I feel like it you know but um you know when I go to Bob Evans and I see a group of guys maybe let's just say they're in their 60s sitting around a table and they got their Bibles out and their highlighters and like they're engaged in conversation and they're pouring into each other and I look at that and I go well that's good. It's not great, and I'll tell you why, but but it's good. And then I go to Starbucks, which admittedly they have a ton of my money. I go to Starbucks way too often. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, and I go to Starbucks, and then I see a couple of guys in their 20s or 30s sitting around a table with their Bibles and their highlighters, and they're pouring into each other. And I go, well, that's good. But what needs to happen is for both of those tables to realize that the other one exists and is incomplete without the other one. Right. Mm. Where I go, hey, guys in your 20s and 30s, those dudes in their 60s, 70s, and 80s have a lot to offer you. And dudes in your 60s, 70s, and 80s, you have a lot to offer, but you also have a lot to be offered by some of these younger folks. You can't write off the generation. It right. doesn't work like that. That's just pride <sighs> on either side of the thing. Like, there's only one reason why you would cut somebody off, and it's just flat out pride. And so the church needs to be this one place where I go, the only thing that makes me worth anything is Jesus. So I have nothing to offer other than Christ. And so let's just talk about how good he is and what he's doing in my life. Like that's how that's discipleship. That's how you you transfer this thing. Um, so somebody has to take the initiative. And so if you're listening to this podcast and you're in your twenties and thirties, the best thing you could do right now is find some dude who you respect, who's probably old enough to be your dad and your grandpa, and do the awkward thing and say, "Can I buy you a cup of coffee and ask you a couple questions?" And if this person's worth their salt, they're going to say, "Okay, that's weird, but sure, right?" <laughs> and that conversation is going to be a really great conversation for you. Um, if you're listening to this podcast and you're in your 60s, 70s and 80s or wherever you want to draw this line, the best thing you could do is the same idea. Say like, Hey, you seem like a really sharp kid. Can I just buy you a cup of coffee or breakfast sometime? Right. Imagine Corey, like if somebody did that for us, like that'd be just like, Oh my gosh, why? Like what, what's about to happen? Right. Yeah. And so can this be a public place? (laughs) Am I about to get busted? Like what's going to happen? (laughs) But like there can be tremendous value in that conversation. Yeah. You know? Um, and the church just gets to be this one place where we get to coexist only because of Christ, right? Not because we have a corner on truth or anything, just because of what Jesus has done, you know? Um, and so maybe one last little practical piece on this one. It's like, okay, so what do you talk about? I think there's there's three questions at the core of being together around Christ that I would ask anybody to consider, Um and like you could do this if you're a parent with your kids, you can do it with your spouse, you can definitely do it across generational lines. Is the first question is like, um, what is Jesus showing you? And that could be through the study of the word, through prayer. What is Jesus showing you? Second question is, what are you going to do about it? Okay, so that could be you know Corey going, man, I read this and, and, and Philippians, and gosh, I'm going to try and be more patient. And I'm gonna, okay, third question, how can I encourage you in that? So what is Jesus showing you? What are you going to do about it? And how can I encourage you in that? If you built discipleship around those questions, 
gosh, there's no limit to where you can go. And here's what I love about them is those are not generationally bound. Mm-hmm. I can answer, a 12 year old could answer that or an 80 year old could answer that mm-hmm. um, because they're, they're just this fundamental thing of what it means to be a Christian. What is Jesus showing you? What are you going to do about it? And how can I encourage you in it? Um, so anyway, that's just some, some practical stuff for you. Okay. So part of this rise up, like, okay, together we rise what are we supposed to do with that? And the the Israelites were rejecting their worldly ways, mm-hmm. right? And uh, in the Rooted series, you talked about this crooked or corrupt generation that as millennials or whatever generation you are, we are to rise together and reject this. But then ultimately, what are we supposed to do? And one of the things that just comes to my mind is Jesus's great commission, and this was when Jesus was getting going up, departing from us. And uh, it says, Jesus came and said to them in Matthew 28, eight, starting verse 18, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So I think... Ultimately, all of our purposes start here mm-hmm. as having a relationship with Christ and then um, and then going out, not isolating ourselves, being founded in the in God's word and God's truth, not synchronizing, but um, also not isolating and going out and making disciples. And yeah. you were talking about the being being discipled or discipling, depending mm-hmm. on what age group that you're in. And then baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we're, we're bringing others to Christ and then uh, teaching them to observe all that he's commanded us. And what does he command us? He's commanded us these the truths. What are God's commandments? They're the laws, they're the natural laws that God has architected and designed our world in. And you can reject those laws all that you want, just like you can try to reject gravity if you want to. But if you jump off of a 10-story building, gravity's going to come in whether you believe in it or not. Mm-hmm. So there are natural consequences to not living life the way that God has called us to live. So I don't know if you want yeah, to chime yeah. in or correct me no, on anything you, that I said. Dude, no, you're spot on. I, I, I hear, What I hear you saying, and I think you're dead right, is like the only good thing I have to offer anybody is Jesus. There's, there's no good in me but Christ. And so the only way I can do this is if I stay close to him, right? So this goes back to like John 15, was like abide in me and you mm-hmm. can do some things. Mm-hmm. Don't and you won't. <laughs> right? It's like yeah. I, I have nothing else to offer you other than Christ. And so like living on mission is just basically going, all right, I'm going to take my everyday rhythms and spaces and I'm just going to bring my relationship with Jesus there. And so like a couple quick things is like, so fostering, why, why would you foster? The answer is Christ period. Like that's the only reason you would ever do that. It's not because I want a bigger family or because, you know, I want because it's te- fun, right? Because right? right. it, it's easy, right? right? Yeah. Like, no, it's not right. But why would you do this? Well, because Jesus loves you. And because you know that, you're going to step into this space, right? The, and I think that is something that is a very unique opportunity for the millennial generation. Um, as somebody who stands almost between millennials and Gen X a little bit, I, I feel like I can see both clearly where Gen X can be a little bit disillusioned and, you know, you know, angry at the world and whatever. And then millennials are a little starry eyed and a little bit <laughs> rose colored. So I feel like I'm in the middle. I see, I see both fairly clearly. One of the things the millennial generation can speak to, especially in the church, 
is to bring a greater sense of purpose to the passion that they have. So like clearly millennials do stuff more than any other generation. They want to do something. Right. And so, you know, I'm buying shoes with a purpose. I buy this with a purpose. I wear this shirt with a purpose, right? All this stuff that we're talking about. Well, what we need to be very clear about is the purpose behind that Mm -hmm. passion. And the answer is only ever Jesus. And so why would I do it? Well, because he's changed me. Right. Like he's told me to go. So I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go do the thing, whatever that thing is. And like that, that's the thing that I really do believe can be really powerful is when, when millennials are very clear or any, anybody really, but especially millennials, just cause they're busy. <laughs> Why are you doing what you're doing? Jesus. Like that has to be almost like the reflex. Mm. It's not like, well, we thought this would be a good thing. Like, right. yeah. no, Jesus. And just, just because of who he is and what he's done, that's why we're doing this thing. Um, and when your kids ask you, Jesus, like that's got to be the, the quick answer. And here's what's really cool about it. If millennials especially can say that, millennials, I mean, one of the things I do love about maybe being a millennial is like millennials don't have time for phoniness or fakery. Yeah. Like you can smell that, a, a, you get a whiff of that, you're like, I'm out, mm-hmm. right? And so if that's real, and if you really have a relationship with Jesus, it's not fake. I'm not just doing the church thing. If it's real, it will be a little bit more contagious um, because we are slightly more cynical in some ways. You know? <laughs> so having a real relationship, that's the only thing you can actually give away is Christ. I have nothing else to offer. The only good in me is Jesus. The only thing I have is Christ. The, the thing that I, I'm equally grieved by and encouraged by is that we live in what I would say is a post-nominal Christian culture. So what I mean by that is like Andy and Opie and Aunt B don't live here anymore. Like we cannot count on our culture to prop up our bad theology of church. Mm. It's not expected anymore. Yeah. Right? yeah. And you see it everywhere, right? Like this is not a Christian culture. Yeah. And maybe you can make the argument that it, it never was, but like it's definitely not now. Whatever yeah. it was, it's definitely not. Yeah. And so what do we do with that? We can go bury our head in the sand, right? And go get the the cabin in the woods. We can just blend in. like, Or we can go, I'm going to engage this thing in a genuine way. I'm going to get deeper so that I can actually go wider and further. Mm-hmm. Like there's, that that is a hopeful thing. Is Because when I read the book of Acts, our, our kids are going to resonate with the book of Acts more than we did. Mm-hmm. And I go, okay, well, if the church thrived in an imperial cult, it can definitely <laughs> thrive in 2022 America but it has to be real. It just can't be fake. And so like, I love that because Mm -hmm. it feels like this is a little bit of separating the men from the boys. And if we can all rally around that point together, gosh, there is some, some real power for the church. So that's an optimistic spin on the, on, on the day, on the, on the day. I love the optimistic spin. I also have frustration with right now you hear over and over the end times, end times, like the world is ending and, and we don't know, but, and there could be truth to that. But what I don't like with that narrative is that people are kind of just hunkering down and sitting complacent. Yeah, I'm just giving up. Yeah. And so I wrote myself this note and it said something like, do you want, Should are you going to just sit still and mm-hmm. wait for Jesus to return? And then when he returns, say, where were you? I've been waiting for you. Yeah. Or yeah. do you want to be able to look at him and say, <sighs> here you are, Lord. Mm-hmm. And here's everything I've been doing while I was waiting. Thank yeah. you for coming. Story but that everything I've done for your glory. Yeah. And not like to pat yourself on the back, but we can't just sit complacent in times like these. Yeah. Because yeah. we don't really know. Since, since you don't know, 
yeah. get busy. Right? Second Thessalonians talks about this, basically like work while you wait kind yeah. of thing. Like it's okay to have a really strong eschatology or study of end times. We should, yeah. yeah. But all eschatology points to practical obedience, not to some disconnected theory that I can right. just hold on to. Like that, this should awaken yeah. my appetite, not yes. not dull it. Create a sense yeah. of urgency. Yeah. And that is just wrapping this all up. Like this is the mission. This is together. We need to do this together. We need to rise up together. The time is now. We can no longer sit complacent. If we do, I'm worried for our future. And I'm worried for our kids' future. But we have hope and we have truth. And that is what we should ground ourselves in. And we can do it together. Live life on mission. Be mission-minded. And I don't know. Do you guys have anything you want to wrap up with? I just want to thank you, yeah, Pastor uh, Brennan, for for being here. I feel like we didn't really give him a proper introduction. Uh, that's okay. So, but what guys. I do <laughs> want to say is, I truly feel like every time I'm in the room with you, I get smarter, and you push oh, me man, to want to no, be better. No, it's so true. No. Also, I love C.S. Lewis, you. but you yeah. make me feel like I know nothing yeah. about like C.S. Lewis. So. I, I quote C.S. Lewis almost every week these days, so How I probably ought to let it cool off for no, a while. No, we can love C.S. Lewis quotes. <laughs> yes. No, but seriously, thank you. And yeah. from uh, genuinely, honestly, from the first sermon that we uh, heard from you and coming into this church and being around the people, um, we felt at home. Yeah. So we just want to thank Thanks, you God. for that and thank yeah. you for challenging us and pushing us. And we know that God is just leading you and you're doing what he's asking you to do. But thank you for being you. Thanks, yeah. guys. Honored for sure. Thank you so much. And just to wrap this up, if you had re- received one of the um, Millennial Mission shirts from Rain Outfitters, we just want to say thank you for supporting us. Thank you for supporting the local charities and supporting rain um, and all that they're doing. If you're listening to this and you hadn't received it and you enjoyed this message, there are two shirts that are geared towards this message, the together we rise shirt, which is geared towards the guys sizes and the mission minded shirt, which is geared towards women's sizes and a women's hat that says, rise and a up. women's hat that says rise How up. They get hats and we don't. What's well, going on there? so we do, the guys do get a hat, but they knew me <laughs> It has American nothing flag. to do with the, <laughs> okay. with what we're doing. It's literally just a snapback with an American flag on the front. That works. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you can get that too. Um, but we just want to say thank you. Um, and uh, I think that's all I've got on that. Yeah. So Thank you so much. All right. Cue the outro.